The season is over, but Pitt has finished with a winning record. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen. In this episode, we'll be talking about the Pitt football win over Georgia Tech. Uh, It is the end of their season. Uh, because of the decision about bowl games, and uh, then we'll just sort of look back at the season as a whole and and look ahead to next year very early on. And then at the very end of the uh, episode, we'll we'll touch on basketball. But we'll start with uh, with this Georgia Tech game. Pitt beat Georgia Tech thirty four to twenty. It was not very close. Pitt played very well, uh, at, which is very interesting because three of the last four games of the season. Pitt played very well and won comfortably. That is not something that people who follow Pitt are used to seeing. Of course, there was the Clemson game, which went the other way. Clemson won extremely comfortably. But against Florida State, Virginia Tech, and Georgia Tech, none of them are awful teams. They're not great, but they're not awful. And Pitt won all three games by a very comfortable margin. It never really seemed like they were going to lose the game. And that's pretty impressive uh, for this uh, this program. And so it's just interesting to see how they closed out the season strong, even after losing some players, even after it was clear that the season wasn't going how everyone expected, that it wasn't uh, there wasn't a chance to make it to the ACC championship game, nothing like that. And yet they finished very strong. Uh, in terms of the, the specifics of the game, I think the biggest standout is the running game. The running game was phenomenal. Vincent Davis is a star. He is the next star running back for the University of Pittsburgh. There was uh, Marshall Goldberg. There was Tony Dorsett. There was Curtis Martin. There was LaShawn McCoy. There was James Conner. Next is Vincent Davis. He is really good. Everyone has known that he's incredibly talented. That, that's been obvious since he became a Panther, and it was really obvious all season long. It just was, he was never able to put it together, and it certainly was far from just on him. The entire running game was just never able to get established. The offensive line struggled a ton this year, but in this game, the combination of the offensive line, just a well-rounded offense, Vincent Davis and his incredible talent, and yeah, not very good Georgia Tech defense, Vincent Davis had a stellar game. He rushed for 247 yards. He had a touchdown. Uh, He averaged about 10 yards per carry. Now, that is really beefed, you know, juiced by the fact that he had a 74-yard run, which was truly remarkable. But still, he had a stellar game, even on small runs. What's really interesting about him is he's a small guy. He's 5'8", 175 pounds, so he's, he's small. But he still runs sort of like James Conner. I mean, he, he, he will run down any defender that Georgia Tech had and just plow through them, which is crazy to see. I mean, you know that he's got speed and athleticism and, and he can you know cut on a dime and things like that. But it was really interesting to see how far he could go after the first contact, that he would have the ball and he would run up the gut and the first contact would be after two or three yards and he would still fight even with a couple uh, Yellow Jacket receive, uh, defenders on him and gain another three, four, five yards. Again, at 175 pounds and five foot eight, that's tough to do. But he just kept on going, which was really, as I said, incredible to see for a small guy to pack that much punch and have that much power. So Vincent Davis, I am convinced he is going to be the next great running back for pit football. He really shined in that game. 
And it's clear that, that as long as there's a capable offensive line who can block for him, Vincent Davis is going to be a stellar running back because he's got all the talent. It's just about can they set up uh, the running game. In terms of uh, some of the other aspects of the game, the defense, they were really good. Again, they you know sometimes they, they give up a, a big play. That's just common, apparently, with Pitt's defense. But for the most part, they play a very good game. And, uh, you know, certainly for when it really seemed to matter, they were able to, uh, you know, hold down the fort. Georgia Tech got close uh, in the fourth quarter. Pitt was up by six and uh, and Pitt's defense from there on out played a great game. And then Vincent Davis scored a touchdown late and uh, and they went for two. And so Pitt ended up winning by two touchdowns. But even when Georgia Tech could have won the game, you never really got the sense that they were going to. Even being, you know, if you're a Pitt fan and you know how this story usually ends, you still never really got the sense that uh, the Georgia Tech would beat the Panthers. And it it's because of that defense. It's I'm not going to say Ben don't break because they do break on a handful of occasions, but for the most part, it's a quality capable defense. And that was while missing a bunch of guys. There were a handful of players who either opted out earlier in the season, before the season, or just before this game who decided not to play. And that's really tough for the the Panthers to fill all those uh, spots. And yet they did it. And the defense still looked very good. Not as great as they had been in some other moments. Not as great as they certainly could have been with all the players. But they still looked really good. So it was a, a fairly comfortable win for the Panthers and uh, a very good way to end out the season. And I say end out the season because, and, and I think a lot of people suspected this would be the case going into that game. That was the last game of the regular season on the Pitt schedule. It was originally supposed to be Clemson, and then Georgia Tech had been pushed back because of COVID issues. And as it turns out, it's it's very fortunate that this was the last game of the season, so Pitt didn't have to go out on the uh, the sour note of getting crushed by Clemson. But the Panthers decided, as a team, as the players decided, that they're not going to go to a bowl game. And when you think about it, it really makes all the sense in the world. They're not the first team to do it. I believe Boston College was the first, uh, at least Power 5 school, to announce that they're not going to go to a bowl game just because they've sort of had it. you know, Mentally, physically, emotionally, they're just sort of spent at this point of the year, at this point of 2020. And again, it makes complete sense. It has been an exhausting year, even outside of football. But to imagine playing football and being exceptionally careful and not being able to see your family and not being able to live at home. I mean, you can make a dorm a home, but it's still not your your real home in a moment of where there's a lot of stress to, to be in a somewhat unfamiliar situation has got to be tough. As I said, you're not with your family. And uh, they, they've been tested routinely, constantly. That's got to get a little bit annoying at some point. And it's just an exceptionally tough season. And for everyone that played, I mean, I credit them. I At some points, it seems like it, it shouldn't have been played, but that's certainly not on the players. They, if they wanted to play football, completely understandable. And as long as the, the school said, okay, you can play football, they showed up and they did their jobs. And for the most part, they were very responsible and kept cases uh, pretty low in the peak of a pandemic. And just at this point of the season, it's got to be exhausting. 
And the, the main difference is what is calling a spade a spade, which is something that people who talk about college football haven't been able to do when it comes to bowl games for a while. And I know me personally, it was even tough for me because when I was a student uh, and I was in the marching band, if people don't know, bowl games were a huge deal because that was a trip. I mean, marching, the, the, the band got to go to a couple uh, trips at most a year. There was generally one away game that the whole band would go to, uh, and then there was somewhere in driving distance, you know, you take a bus, and then maybe they send a pep band to one or two more games. So you go to the one big game, which is maybe Notre Dame or uh, something like that, Virginia Tech, and then there are a couple pep band trips. You go to places a little bit further, North Carolina, UVA, uh, things like that. And, and that was it. But a bowl game, that was exciting. That was a chance to go and you play for, you you go to this city that you've never been to before. There's a pep rally. You play for that. All the, both teams, both schools are excited. They've got fans who travel. The diehards are there. You have some food that you're not used to. You go to places you're not used to. It's a really sort of exciting thing. And it's a way to sort of finish the season on a high note. So personally, I always really loved bowl games and I really valued them because it was something that you could do uh, as a fun way to close out the year and uh, just have a good time. You get a little bit of swag. Certainly the players get a lot of it, uh, but for the band for cheer and dance and stuff, you get some swag and, and you get to, if you're, if it's far enough away, you get on a plane. If not, you drive, but either way, it, it's an experience. And so I always valued bowl games. In this year, in the year of our Lord 2020, there's just not much to play for for most of these bowl games. Now, if you're in one of the New Year Six Bowls, if you're going to a high-quality bowl, if you're going to the Fiesta Bowl or uh, you know the, the Sugar Bowl, obviously, the Orange Bowl, something like that, or even one of the really upper-tier bowls, I can understand you want to play, you want to get on TV and all that. But for Pitt's position, being a 6-5 and five team, they weren't going to get a very good bowl. They'd go to the bowl that's in Annapolis, or they would go to the bowl, uh, they, maybe El Paso. No, the El Paso canceled. That's the other problem, that a lot of these uh, bowls canceled. A lot of the, the typical bowls that Pitt might go to in New York, in El Paso, there was going to be one in Boston this year at Fenway. They all canceled because they understand that the value just isn't there when you can't really have fans. And so really the only candidates, there was the one in Annapolis, there was the Mayo Bowl. You know, it's it just a, a very mediocre sort of bowl game that you play against a mediocre team that would be on ESPN at like 2 in the afternoon on a Thursday and a couple of people watch. But to do all the preparation you need to do, to have weeks more of practice, of quarantining, of nasal swabs, of being away from your family for the holidays, that is tough. And it's the reward just isn't the same this year. If the reward is you go to a really cool city or a really high-profile bowl game, and you go and there's a big pep rally and a ton of fans there, and you get really hyped up, and, and they give you a bunch of swag, and you go and you get to you know hang out in the hotel and sort of go nuts or maybe go to, I remember in uh, the, the bowl in uh, uh, at TCU outside of Dallas, they, uh, they sent us to a honky-tonk one night. It was like the world's largest honky-tonk. And it was wild. It was bizarre. But it was something that I'd never done before. You, you'd never 
you're never going to go to that again. You certainly wouldn't have of my own choosing, and it's not going to happen again, but it's something to experience. And and the football players do that same sort of thing as well. They go to interesting places, and they have fun and and let loose a little bit because it's this balance of, okay, it's one more game and we're going to fight, but it's also sort of a reward for a solid season. And none of that could happen this year. If they did this, they'd have to practice and stay on campus and do all that for another couple of weeks. And again, no one else is on campus at this point. They'd have to keep getting tested routinely and, and keep everything up. And then you get on a plane and you go to North Carolina or Maryland or wherever. And you show up at a hotel where everyone's got to have you know, separate rooms and, and keep the masks on and all that. And you go to, to your separate rooms and that's pretty much it. Maybe you have a team meeting or two in the hotel and that's pretty much it. There's no big pep rally. There's no parade with all the fans coming from uh, out of state and, and the most loyal fans cheering on their team. There's no big uh, moments. You don't really get to explore the city. You're just going there and stay in a hotel and play a football game and that's it. And while I know for some people you think, well, that's their job. That's what they signed up for. That's what you sign up for for this season, for the regular season, when the games really matter. Bowl games, and again, this goes back to calling a spade a spade, which we haven't been able to do for a while. The bowl games don't really matter, at least the the middle tier to lower tier ones. It's one thing if you're in the college football playoff, or you're in the Sugar Bowl, or you're in the Rose Bowl or the Orange Bowl or even, as I said, some of the other bowls that aren't the New Year's, the New Year's Six Bowls, uh, but are, are still pretty good games. Those games, they've got some weight to them. I get it. But for a lot of these games, they simply don't matter. So you can understand why players want to opt out and don't want to, who are going to the NFL and don't want to risk injury to play in a game that doesn't matter. You can understand why the team doesn't want to have to do everything they've been doing for months to, to go on for another couple weeks to play a game that doesn't matter. If they had won a couple more games and they had a chance to go to a really great bowl game and get a ton of money and be on a, in a primetime slot on national TV, then I'd, I'd probably want to see them play. But in this case, it's really a no-brainer. You skip the bowl game. It's the smart thing to do. Uh, and so overall, what that means is that Pitt ends with a winning record. There's The other thing is that go to a bowl game, there's a chance you lose it, and you finish 6-6, six and six, as Pitt has done a handful of times. That's not going to be the case this year because they're not going and they finished 6-5. and five. Now, looking at the start of the year, 6-5, and five, I would say underwhelming. But while a lot of people were predicting 8 wins or more, I always thought 7 was the benchmark. I, th- I thought, looking at the schedule, if you get the 7 wins that's a sign of a good team. Now, they didn't get there. And I don't think this was a very good team. I think it was a solid team. But when you really look at it, they were 6-5, and five, and they were a point shy in two consecutive games, Boston College and NC State. So if they score two more points in each, four points total, they're four points away from going 8-3 and three with their only losses to Clemson, Notre Dame, two of the four best teams in the country, and Miami, who's probably a top 15 team. If you score four more points in two games, you finish eight and three, and you look back at the season, you say, wow, that was a great season. Tough schedule, but that was a great season. Now, they didn't. 
This isn't horseshoes. This isn't hand grenades. They didn't get those wins. But I do think it's important for context. When I previewed the season, I thought seven wins is the benchmark. Seven wins is what you want. I, I know that there were expectations for Pitt entering in the season before COVID. That the team should have been really good. It should have been eight, nine wins. But when the schedule changed and players opted out and all that, I looked at it and I saw seven wins was the goal. They didn't get there, but they got close. They were close to eight wins, really. And overall, I think it's solid. Again, the schedule, that that really hurt Pitt. I mean, COVID hurt, obviously, outside of football, people in just horrific ways. And that is number one, you know, by far. In terms of a strict football standpoint, uh, outside of even COVID within uh, football and the players and all that, just the general uh, year of 2020 and having to change everything and having to adapt and all that, it really hurt Pitt. Because, as I said, this was supposed to be the year that they took a big step up. They were going to have all these players coming back for defense, favorable schedule, only one really tough non-conference game, and then everything had to be thrown out. And the ACC reconfigured the entire conference, all the schedules. There were no more divisions. They they changed the schedules. What that meant was that, first of all, Pitt now had Clemson on the schedule in Death Valley, which is nearly an impossible game to win. The only reason I don't say it's impossible is because Pitt did it a few years ago. But that's an outlier, of course. That's virtually impossible to win. So that's one guaranteed loss there. And again, Notre Dame is a probable loss. That's two. And Miami's, you know, in Miami, that's a really tough game. So that's three. So there's not you there's not really any scenario where you can do better than eight and three. And because of the getting rid of the uh, the divisions and changing the ACC schedule and all that stuff, that really sort of hurt Pitt. Because when you look at the schedule and the teams that they played, it was again not what they were originally supposed to play. They were not supposed to play Clemson, which is, again, essentially a guaranteed loss. Meanwhile, the teams that are in the Coastal that Pitt should have played this year, North Carolina, okay, maybe that's a loss. So maybe that's like for like with Clemson. But you've certainly got a better chance against the Tar Heels than you do against Clemson. Virginia, a solid team, but not a great team. Pitt could have won that game if they had played, and they were supposed to play this year. And most importantly, Duke, a very bad football team. They finished 2-9, and nine, and Pitt should have played Duke this year. In the original schedule, Pitt plays Duke every single year. They're both in the Coastal. So to lose that and fill it with Boston College and NC State and Clemson and Louisville, teams that are tougher than certainly Duke and, and probably Virginia, that's tough. That's certainly tough for, for the Panthers. And so because of the schedule being moved around, because you lost Jalen Twyman before the season started, a handful of things, I understand how they went 6-5, and five, and I do not think it's some big disaster. Is it underwhelming? Sure. But again, my benchmark for this season was 7 wins. They got to 6, they were really close to 7, really close to 8. And so overall, a little bit underwhelming, but I, I think it's far from a disaster. But we'll have to see. Uh, we're going to take a very quick break here. A word from our sponsors. Come right back. I'm going to talk about all the players that are leaving this program and what that's going to mean heading into next year. Stay with us. You're listening to Unscripted. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, we are back. So, uh, looking ahead to next year, Pat Narduzzi, he's going to be back. Just no doubt about it. Uh, if he had lost three of the last four, or certainly four of the last four, then maybe you question it. But the combination of being a pretty good coach, finishing out pretty strong, winning three of those last four, and again, by comfortable margins, and uh, just the the financial situation. There's no way around it. The financial situation during COVID is really tricky for schools to come up with, come up with buyout money. Auburn did it with Gus Malzahn, but outside of that, uh, it's exceptionally tough to come up with all the money that you would need to buy a coach out, and also excuse that expense when universities are having to lay people off that you're spending millions of dollars paying someone to not coach your football team. So, Pat, if there was any doubt about Pat Narduzzi coming back next year. He did his job. He won three of those last four games. He's going to be back. Mark Whipple, I don't know. I do not think he should be back. Now, while the offense did turn around uh, in the last few games of the season, I still think overall the play calling is is just not inventive. It's not creative. Uh, he doesn't seem to get the most out of his players. And overall, the offense for most of the season was exceptionally bad. So I think you go for a new offensive coordinator and try to get someone to really take control and and just turn that into a diamond because that's what happened on the defensive end. And, of course, Pat Narduzzi's a defensive guy, but Randy Bates has done a stellar job there. Matt Canada did a stellar job for a year. If you can get a better offensive coordinator, this can still be a really good team next year. So I think Whipple should go. We'll see because the offense did play better, but I do think it's time to, to make a change to the offensive coordinator position. Now, looking at the roster, Pitt is going to be without a lot of players next year, and they're really good players. But in these past few days, a ton of guys have decided to opt out of next season, which was optional, and they've decided to go and try to make it in the NFL. Now, one happened before the season, that was Jalen Twyman. And then one happened a few weeks ago, mid-season, that was Paris Ford. So you knew those guys weren't coming back. And then there are the ones who have announced in the last couple days, you figured they weren't coming back. But they made it official, and it's going to be really tough without them. The list of those guys. So again, Twyman and Ford. Rashad Weaver said he officially is not coming back. He's going to go to the NFL draft. He's a stellar player, and uh, Pitt's certainly going to miss him. Patrick Jones really came into his own this year. He's got a ton of talent. He's a really great player, really smart player. Pitt's going to miss him. Damar Hamlin. He was a prized recruit from Western Pennsylvania. It was it was huge when Pitt landed him. He was a really good player back in the secondary, really talented. He's gone. He's going to go to the NFL. DJ Turner, who was a grad transfer from uh, Maryland, and he could have come back for one more year, but he decided he he had a solid year. He's going to go to the NFL and uh, and try to prove himself there. Bryce Hargrove, another good player. Jimmy Morrissey, a really good player. Had a great rapport with uh, Kenny Pickett, with his quarterback, and he really led that offensive line. Jimmy Morrissey is gone. And uh, then, of course, there are the uh, people who have yet to announce, make it official, but we assume they are gone. Uh, again, this would be, in a normal year, this would 
be a lot more routine. You would just know who's gone, who's out of eligibility, all that. This year is crazy because of COVID and and the eligibility uh, rule changes and all that. So it is a little bit different. Some of these guys, a lot of these guys would have been gone anyway, but in this case, they had an option to come back and they chose not to. So there's Kessman, who we haven't yet heard from for sure. And then, of course, Kenny Pickett, the quarterback of this team. He could come back for one more year if he wants to. I don't think he will. I think it makes sense for him to go to the NFL at this point. He had a really good year. People started to, to understand that he's a really good quarterback. And it makes sense for him to go to the NFL. That said, all of those losses, mainly on the defensive end, but Still, some really good guys on offense, including your quarterback. That's going to be incredibly tough to replace. I mean, Twyman, Ford, Weaver, Jones, Hamlin, Turner, Hargrove, Pinnock, Morrissey, Pickett, Kessman. Those are so many key players to this season, to the success that they had this season and last season. And Pitt's going to be without them. Now, I don't know in the freshman class who's going to be able to step up. And I don't know who in next year's class who are going to be freshmen in 2021. I don't know who's going to be a standout from there. All I know is that I just listed off a bunch of guys who were incredibly important to the success of this season. And they are gone. And that's going to be really tough. I don't. There's a long road ahead this offseason. We'll see what happens. But it is with all the talent they had this year, even with all the misfortunes and even with guys opting out and all that, it's going to be exceptionally tough to win a lot of games when you're having to fill the spots of all of those guys. Now, they did it in some, I mean, so they did it without some of those guys this year. Twyman, of course, didn't play all year. Ford opted out a while ago. Rashad Weaver didn't play in the last game. So they were able to do it. Damar Hamlin, they were able to do it without some of those guys. But all of those guys. That's going to be really tough to not have your quarterback, your kicker, leader on the offensive line, best players on your defensive line, your best players in your secondary, maybe your best wide receiver. It's really tough. And we'll see what happens, but it's expectations will have to go down a bit next year, which is tricky because for Pat Narduzzi, next year you really think, okay, if this wasn't the make or break year, it'll be next year. Because of the pandemic, okay, we'll, we'll give you a pass on 2020. 2021 it is. But just in terms of the, the normal cycle for a program, 2021 might be a down year. So we'll have to monitor that moving forward. But it's going to be exceptionally tough to replace those guys. And finally, before I go, I do want to hit on Pitt basketball. Pitt basketball had a huge win over uh, Northwestern last weekend. And it was a come-from-behind win. It was exciting. They won it at the end. It was a real thrilling win on ESPN uh, late night, but just a big win for the Panthers. And then they got a big win over the weekend against Gardner-Webb. And what that means is uh, that this basketball team is starting to look pretty good. And they're starting to look pretty good largely because they have found a star player. And they've had some guys who've shown a lot of potential over these past few years in the wilderness. Marcus Carr, you know, seemed really good. Trey McGowan seemed really good for a time. Xavier Johnson seemed like he was going to be the guy. And he's still a good player, but he's not the guy. Pitt has found the guy. And it's Justin Champagny. Champagny, in these past two games, has been sensational. He has proven himself to be a star player, a legit star in the ACC. Not just for a lower standard of what how Pitt has played the last few years. No, a star in the ACC. And what he accomplished in these last two games against Northwestern and Gardner-Webb, he scored 20 points and 20 rebounds in both. So he's went 20 and 20 
in both games. He is one of three players to do that in, I forget how many decades, but decades long. There have been three players to go 20 and 20 in back-to-back games. Two of them were coached by Jeff Capel, Blake Griffin, and now Justin Champagny. He had a phenomenal couple of days, and uh, this Pitt basketball team, there are still some some problems, still some issues they've got to work out, but you can really see how this team is shaping up to be a really good program again because they were a really good program. Uh, then everything sort of collapsed, and uh, but they're really starting to turn it around. They've got three really good players in Champagny, Xavier Johnson, and Audis Tony. They've got some more guys who've got potential, and they're good role players. They can put it together and have a solid year. I am working on a full pit basketball preview, uh, hopefully coming this week, maybe next week. We'll see. Stay with me on that. Uh, but I did want to. I just had to mention Justin Champagny. He had a monster week and uh, was really recognized and noticed by national college basketball writers, media, all that, which was uh, very cool to see. But like I said, working on a, a full pit basketball preview episode, so keep an eye on that. The best way to do that is to subscribe to the podcast, search for Cardiac Hill wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever. Subscribe, you'll see Cardiac Hill unscripted. Subscribe, you'll get the episodes every time they drop. So that's the best way. You can also follow me on Twitter at Corey E. Cohen, C-O-R-E-Y-E-C-O-H-E-N. And uh, feel free to uh, to comment there and follow me there. Uh, until next week, uh, we'll, we'll be talking maybe a little bit about college football in general. And again, that pit basketball episode is certainly coming up very soon. Until next time, I am Corey Cohen, signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast.